in the land of othello come with me this bright sunday morning for a walk through one of the oldest cities of this land of othello the sombre-faced moors are going to and fro through the streets and we shall meet with many a scowl we shall not see the faces of their desdemonas for they are concealed except for slits for the eye and we shall have to be careful lest we give offence we must fight shy of the mosques for christians are not admitted and we had best think twice before entering the door of a house no matter how wide open it be we are in tangier at the end of northwestern africa so near europe that by a short ride to cape spartel one sees the hills of spain plainly in view gibraltar with its mighty lion-head rock is within a cannon shot of us an hour or so of smooth sailing having brought us from that port to the nearest gateway to africa it is only ten days since we left the wharves of new york on a great ocean liner and we have jumped as it were from the bright light of our christian civilization into the semi-darkness of these mohammedan moors tangier lies on the edge of the atlantic ocean in a hollow or nest in these wild african hills it has a big wall around it and its blue and white houses remind us a lot of gigantic store boxes of all sorts of shapes thrown together at haphazard the highest part is the citadel where the governor lives there he holds court and there is his prison where scores of half-naked miserable beings are shut up with chains around their legs at night they sleep on the floors all tied together by one chain which binds the necks of the whole crowd of criminals they do their own cooking but their friends must furnish the food or they will starve on the short rations of dry bread and water there is no habeas corpus act here so it is not hard for a man of influence to send a poorer brother to jail from the heights near the governor's place one sees what a strange town is this so close to europe how out of date it seems in this twentieth century the roofs are flat and there is not a chimney in sight there are no smokestacks and no smoke rises from the jumble of houses below us this does not mean however that the sixty thousand people living in them do no cooking they eat three meals a day but their cooking is done upon fires of charcoal made in clay basins half the size of a washbowl with a hole at the side for the draft some of the larger establishments have little brick ovens built into the walls of their kitchens as the land about here is treeless and there is no coal the fuel is expensive an armful of faggots as big as broom handles costing a dollar with charcoal proportionately high for this reason about all the washing is done in cold water we can see the clothes hanging out on the roofs of the houses there are but few yards and the women often dry their wash near the streams outside the city where they clean the garments by pounding them on the stones as we go about the streets we realize that tangier like almost every moroccan city suffers from a scarcity of water the streets are sprinkled by men who go through them with goatskin bags on their backs bending half double as they scatter the drops here and there each bag holds about ten gallons and the water comes from the sea other carriers go from house to house with fresh water which they bring from the wells or the streams outside the city they ring bells as they go and have little brass cups in which they will give you all the water you can drink for less than a cent i should however as soon think of drinking a cup 
of pure typhoid bacteria as of tasting such water although i stopped one of these ragged old water peddlers today and bought a cup while my guide mohammed snapped my camera if i had bought the whole skinful i should have had to pay only four or five cents much of the water for cooking and washing is brought into the city in little five-gallon kegs two or three of which are slung on each side of a donkey with the peddler sitting on top or walking behind at a rough guess there are five hundred water carriers of one sort or another in this town of tangier and why do they not have water wagons i hear someone ask open the eyes of your imaginations and see these streets are so narrow that a handcart could not be pushed through them in some i can stand in the centre and touch both walls with my hands there is not a wheeled vehicle inside the whole town there is not even a handcart or a wheelbarrow but there are so many donkeys that one has to jump from side to side to keep out of their way they go along without bridles or halters directed by the cries and the sticks of the donkey boys who follow behind the donkeys are the drays of tangier and carry enormous loads i saw two little fellows today not much higher than my waist almost covered by an upright piano which rested on their backs as they walked through the main streets of the city everyone knows that six men are required to lift a piano in our country yet the two little beasts carried this one in its pine box on their bare backs it was steadied by two porters who walked at the sides the animals had enormous ears and their rat-like tails shaved close made me think of abbreviated black snake whips both were ragged and knotty and scarred with sores where their masters had cut away the skin in order that they might the more easily hurry them onward by goading the raw flesh this afternoon i met a donkey caravan each animal loaded with two heavy bags of flour the little fellows had to brace themselves while the men threw on the bags and then they went off staggering one of them stumbled and threw his load over his head it took two lusty porters to replace the sacks my heavy trunks were brought from the boat to the hotel upon donkeys and i have seen donkeys without number carrying sand in baskets bringing in charcoal and wood and even loaded with stones and brick for building material some freighting is done by mules i saw two going along the street today with the iron girders for a building strapped to their backs mules serve also as riding animals and i have traveled for miles upon them through the country about the saddles are great red cushions a foot thick with stirrups so big that they rest the whole foot from the heel to the toe the natives ride their donkeys or mules sitting far back with their long legs hanging down the native women ride astride looking like rag bags tied to the saddles their covered heads bob up and down as the beasts jog along morocco has also many fine horses of arabian blood some belong to the moorish cavalry as may be seen by the rifles carried by their riders who use short stirrups so that their knees are high up on the saddle but turn now and look at the people as they pass by these moors are unlike any africans we have in america they are tall straight big-boned and broad-shouldered moving about with a grace and a dignity not found in our land they wear long white gowns with hoods at the back which are often pulled up over their turbans making them look taller 
their bare feet are clad in bright yellow slippers the men are all bearded for the razor touches only the hair of their heads nearly every other man has a white skin while most of the dark-skinned moors even have features like ours their noses are large and straight their foreheads are high and their eyes as fierce as those of othello they walk with a haughty stride swinging their arms and two men frequently go along hand in hand the people are very polite even the poorer classes and the berbers from the country being free from any roughness or rudeness of manner observe how friendly they are with each other those two old men on the corner have been gossiping for more than an hour a little later these streets will be bordered with groups of men sitting on the ground or upon low stools leaning back against the walls as they chat they spend a great deal of time in the tea-houses and are fond of entertaining each other since this is a mohammedan land no one ever introduces his wife or daughter to his friend the two sexes are kept wide apart this throws the men together and makes close friendships among them more common than in our part of the world most of the other mohammedan nations drink coffee the moors drink tea and are especially fond of it when flavored with mint it is served in tumblers at tea houses all over the country the moors drink it boiling hot sitting cross-legged on the ground as they do so most of the tea comes from japan via england london alone sending as many as twenty thousand chests in one year the moroccans are fond of sweets and their consumption of sugar is so great that it has almost ruined their teeth this one can see whenever a man opens his mouth besides the white-gowned moors we meet other odd characters at every step there are rough fellows in gowns and hoods of dark gray or brown fierce-looking mountaineers with brown faces and negro slaves as black as a stove there are many mulattoes we see also men from the desert and beyond travelers from fez and other interior cities and laborers some of whom are almost in rags one queer character of tangier is a beggar who claims to have visited america he is jet black with hair standing out like woolly wires over his head he goes about with cymbals dancing and singing and asking for alms he accosted me today saying master you american i been in america i been chicago buffo san louis umweo philadelphia and washington i sudan man with barnum circus we too american suppose you give me money washington is my home when in the united states and it was in its honor that i handed him a half dozen coppers he bowed to the ground then danced away jingling his cymbals the women are among the strangest sights here one does not see much of them except an eye or so but they look out nevertheless if an american girl will take a well-worn blanket of thin white flannel and drape it about her body over her clothes so that it hides the whole of her person wrapping a fold or so about the head and leaving only a crack for one eye or perhaps both she will present a fair likeness of the average moorish girl as she goes along the streets the only bare skin one can see is the little section about the eyes at least that is until the lady gets by she shows more at the rear than the front for from behind one sees quite an expanse of bare leg the rosy heels of these maidens can always be glimpsed 
rising and falling in their red slippers as they hasten along the women do not loiter and chat on the streets and though they often visit their friends they spend little time at the doors greeting each other and there are no front gates to hang over while they discuss the servant question or retail the last scandal some of the lower class moorish women go about with their faces exposed and an old woman may now and then drop the covering which hides her features the young and the pretty are always kept hidden and i notice that many have behind wrapped closely about the lower part of the face in addition to the outside covering which they hold tight as they go moorish girls are said to be fond of fine clothes and these ghostly wrappings often hide costly garments over the caftan a sort of waist and skirt reaching to the feet they wear a garment of sheer material through which the bright caftan shows they have belts of leather or sashes of gold thread they sometimes have handkerchiefs about their heads held up by cardboard they like jewelry and load themselves with earrings bracelets and anklets they paint the eyebrows lips and cheeks but are not tattooed about the only women's faces one sees are those of the jewesses the younger girls are often good-looking they have fine dark eyes and ivory white skins with cheeks tinged with the hue of a dark moss rose the older women run to much flesh and seem coarse the dress of the jewish women is much like that worn in our country save that the richer ones use gold embroidery for trimming they wear silk handkerchiefs tied about the head half concealing the forehead and covering most of the hair i wish i could show you some of the moorish children who are flocking about me they are just as sweet as our american little ones although they seem different they dress somewhat like their parents the boys wearing red fezes and long white gowns while playing in the streets many go bareheaded and if you will imagine a crowd of little americans of say six eight and ten years dressed in white nightgowns playing on the streets and thoroughly enjoying themselves you will have one of the common sights of this city you must make the faces however white and yellow and even black and must shave the heads close with the exception of spots here and there where long locks are allowed to grow the little girls have at first only a single lock on the crown of the head later this is allowed to spread out until it finally covers the whole head the hair is then braided the boy's head is shaved as soon as he is born and is kept shaved for the greater part of his life each rich family has its own barber who until he is married keeps the head of the boy in order for nothing at that time he receives a present and is well paid thereafter every man is shaved regularly the whole head being scraped except the lock left on the crown by which as a handle that mohammedan thinks he may be pulled into heaven the man being shaved sits upon the ground the barber soaping and lathering him as he bends over him the hair is cut close to the scalp a good job leaving it like the skin of a drumhead sprinkled with pepper or better gunpowder chapter two